Monstrous Agonies. Episode 108. Oozing up between long, pale toes. Next on the Night Folk Network, I'm answering listeners' questions in our weekly advice segment. Tonight's first letter comes from a listener concerned about their public image. First off, I won't be signing this with my name. The reason for that is twofold. One, my name is rather well known, and I'd rather not this get any more attention than it already has. Two, the power of names is a tricky thing, as I'm sure you're well aware of due to your, uh, what are you calling her these days? Your business associate? (laughs) Fooling nobody by the way. Anyway, she'll know all about the trouble one can make for oneself with a name. So, let's keep this just as anonymous as we can, eh? I'm in the business of collecting souls. It's rather competitive, but once you get a foot in the door, it's quite enjoyable. And all right, I may have played with my clients a bit more than is proper, struck a few bargains, bent a few rules. But a man's allowed his fun, isn't he? About a week ago, I decided I was overdue a bit of R&R. I decided to watch a film, and it just so happened that the film I chose had an antagonist who was clearly based on me. At first, this wasn't a problem. I have no shame about what I do. It was rather fun, actually, watching my endeavours from an outside perspective. I never realised just how creative I could be as I toy with my victim <clears throat> clients. But as the film went on, I became slowly but surely enraged. They turned me into some soppy, romance-driven, tortured soul whose only objective was to woo the main character. A woman, by the by, who could not have been less interesting if she were literally made out of beige carpet. All of my hard work cultivating my image, centuries of working my way up to the top of the chain, making mine a name to be respected and feared. All of it destroyed by some pranced-up sapio director who obviously has more money than common sense. The utter gall! Now, I know what the obvious answer here is. Find the ones responsible for the film, convince them to sell their souls, and burn them in hellfire for the rest of eternity. (laughs) But while I will most certainly be doing that, it doesn't actually solve the problem. As much as I might like to, I can't take the soul of everybody involved. 
It would completely disrupt the spiritual economy, for one thing. And besides, I simply don't have the time. I am a very busy man, after all. How do you think I can best salvage my reputation? As previously stated, it's quite obvious this is meant to be me, and my associates are going to find out about this film eventually. I think, actually, listener, your best bet is to simply ignore the situation. I know you say this character is clearly based on you, but is it possible you might be mistaken? I don't say this to correct you. I only mean to draw your attention to the fact that, however unlikely it might be, there is a chance these filmmakers have accidentally created a character who bears some resemblance to you. And if it is possible for this to have been an accident, then it is possible for you to deny the association. Lean in to that plausible deniability. If your colleagues discover this film, simply deny all knowledge of it. It's beneath your notice. You have better things to do than watch silly films about people doing your job badly. Should they insist, stand your ground and refuse to give countenance to the suggestion that this character is somehow you. Emphasize the differences between this character and yourself. There may be some superficial similarities, but they are a soft-hearted romantic with terrible taste in women. They're really nothing like you at all. If you let this film upset you, and let that upset show, you're only going to lend credence to the idea that there is something in the comparison. Ignore it, deny it, and move on. I also strongly recommend you learn to keep your comments about other people's business associates to yourself. Their relationship, even a perfectly ordinary working relationship, is not your concern. And I think you'll find forgetting that is quite as dangerous as any degree of carelessness around one's name. Brought to you by Tate's Togs, cutting-edge fashion for the liminal community. Our all-new non-corporeal shoes are designed to fit perfectly where your feet aren't, while our invisible clothing line comes in every style imaginable and several unimaginable ones. Looking for a fresh new fit? Try Tate's Togs today. Proud members of the Nightfolk Network. Our second letter tonight asks what can be done about difficult feelings around transformation. My parents are quite conservative in their views. As a kid, this meant that any deviation from what they considered normal was not exactly punished, not directly, but it would make them more likely to get upset with me for stuff they might have overlooked otherwise, like if I was being a bit noisy or slow with my chores. 
They'd also make comments about how things didn't suit me if it wasn't the right colour or type of clothing. They were often casually transphobic and homophobic around me. So I was very aware of who I could be at home and who I couldn't. They never commented on my shape-shifting, though. On my mother's side, shifting is pretty common, though it is usually binary, either human or mallard duck. (laughs) Not the coolest shifting trick in the world, but honestly, I wouldn't change it for anything. So, as a kid, the only way I could avoid my parents' strict enforcement of gender presentation was to, well, duck. Mallard ducks do have sexual dimorphism when it comes to coloration, but that didn't matter to me. I was out of their rules, out of the body and presentation that was suffocating me. I don't talk to my parents anymore. I moved out, came out over the phone and was told not to come back. (laughs) Their loss, (laughs) Since then, I've been wearing what I want, presenting how I want, and I'm even starting hormones soon. (laughs) It's, uh, well, it's it's the happiest I've ever been. (laughs) Except I don't know how, or even if, hormones will affect my duck form. I am terrified that if it doesn't change... If I'm still presenting as a duck of my assigned gender at birth, then shifting could make me dysphoric and I won't want to do it anymore. I don't want to lose this part of myself. It was my only comfort, the only way I could feel right in my body for so long. But I can't not transition. What do I do? First of all, listener, congratulations. However you choose to pursue transition, I hope you can feel that you're already living your truth and being the person you need to be. Unfortunately, your identity as a transgender person of the night puts you at a rather uncomfortable crossroads. There is, frankly, very little research on the myriad ways transgender healthcare might intersect with liminal healthcare, including specific research on how gender-affirming hormone treatments affect different genuses. You might be able to find some valuable information and support from online communities. Try talking to other shifters who have experienced similar hormonal changes either due to medical transition or because of hormonal imbalances or intersex conditions. Do talk to your doctors, too. Any endocrinologist worth their salt will give you time and space to talk about your concerns and will do their best to answer them, at least from a strictly medical perspective. They may not be able to answer your questions with much specificity. But that is also true for any of the other changes that might come from this kind of treatment. 
<clears throat> you can make an educated guess based on how others in your genus have responded to hormonal changes, or by looking at cisgender family members whose bodies naturally produce the same hormones you'll be taking. But there are no guarantees here. <clears throat> Instead, it might help to work on how you're framing your medical transition. You aren't doing this in order to become cisgender. There's no amount of hormones or surgery that will do that. You're doing it to be able to look in the mirror and see your authentic self looking back. Gosh, what a delightful collection of stationary supplies I've discovered. <sighs> what a terrible shame it would be if some unknown force were to compel me to, oh, start throwing them around the room, most specifically in the direction of someone's head. If you so much as lay a finger on a single post-it, I swear to you now, Angharad and Tupsin will not survive the night. <gasps> Don't bring the children into this. I'm not talking to you while I am on the air. You can wait. Of course I can, but I don't want to. Besides, this is something I think our beloved listeners are going to want to hear. Let me finish this answer. Ugh, if you insist. Uh, where was I? <clears throat> Listener, if your duck form doesn't change with your medical transition, uh... I think that's fine. You'll just look like a trans duck, which you are, sort of. It's fine, just uh, uh, try not to worry about it, I suppose. Hmm, not your finest work. Your comments have been noted. What's this about? Apocacorp, of course. The CEO, specifically. Did you see they have a podcast now? I haven't listened to it. It looks dreadful. I thought I told you to leave well enough alone. Oh, if you believed that would stop me, you're a bigger fool than you look. For pity's sake. Don't pretend you don't want to know. Go on, ask me what I've found out. <sighs> what have you found out? You remember I was looking into that business with the... Evil, static, scary threats. Oh, listener, have you tried not ripping things out of the fabric of the universe because you got scorny when the physical manifestation of Forbes magazine blew vape smoke in your eyes and made you confront your own mortality? Scorny? Scared and horny. See also, scaroused. Of, of course. How silly of me. Please continue. Something about the static in the recording didn't sit right with me. It didn't... Oh, I don't know how to explain it. It didn't taste like bargaining magic. The static didn't taste right. Oh, darling, you know I love it when you're supercilious. Condescend to me, baby. Okay, okay, it didn't taste right. Carry on. Well, that's the thing. It didn't taste right for bargaining magic. But it was still terribly familiar, and after all, I don't only deal in bargains and contracts. There is one other field I happen to be rather a dab hand at. Oh. Oh. There was no bargain. No exchange, no contract. It was a glamour. It was all a lie. No. No, that can't. 
The letter was fake. Oh, the letter was real. The person who wrote it truly believed what they wrote, otherwise Station would never have selected it. But it had been doctored. A powerful perception glamour laid on at the most essential layer of reality. And last year, when they infiltrated the studio? There was static then, too. Oh, that was nothing special. Just a bit of magical ventriloquism. Probably some unpaid intern sitting in a hotel room nearby holding a crystal up to the radio. All their threats? All their power? All fake. (laughs) I'm willing to bet the CEO didn't even put the glamour on themselves. Very few people have what it takes to become truly proficient in that sort of thing. Chances are they just found some dusty old wizard looking to fund a research project and paid them to do it for them. Which is what I think our dear listeners need to understand. Are you listening, listeners? The CEO is not special. They're not clever or powerful or talented or scary. They're just rich. Meanwhile, I am all of the above, and then some. Yes, you really are, aren't you? (laughs) Uh, Thank you. That's... that's a comfort. You're welcome. Unrelated, I am in the market for some new gardening gloves. Are you indeed? Well, I'll keep it in mind. (laughs) Uh, Purple, right? Oh, you are so cruel to me sometimes, it is a wonder I don't die. (laughs) Goodbye, Mab. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for your patience during that interruption, listeners. I'm sure you can all agree it certainly offered some food for thought. Speaking of food, it's time now for another edition of Cookery Corner. This week we're tackling food waste with ten simple recipes to use up leftover Ica, Belladonna and Fenny Snake. Violent threats. Asked you much, Likyol. Episode 108 of Monstrous Agonies was written by H.R. Owen and performed by H.R. Owen and Elizabeth Plant. Tonight's first letter was submitted by Ella K. Smith. The second came from Art, and this week's advert was based on similar suggestions from Brez Isn't There and Ghosty Goose. Thanks, friends. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting it on Patreon at patreon.com slash monstrousagonies or make a one-off donation at ko-fi.com slash hroin. You can also help us grow our audience by sharing with your friends and familiars and following us on Tumblr at monstrousagonies and on Twitter at monstrous underscore pod. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial Sharealike 4.0 international license. The theme tune is Dakota by Unheard Music Concepts. Thanks for listening, and remember... The real monsters are the friends we made on the way.